Last week we preached on uh, that's on Sunday night on that palm tree Christian we talked about in Judges four how they sat Deborah sat under that palm tree of Deborah and what the palm tree represented and how we ought to uh, apply to those things. But uh, also in that last chapter uh, we saw that Israel had uh, rebelled and was judged by God for a third time. That just seems that's why it's called the book of Judges. They kept rebelling and get judged and rebelling and get judged and. Anytime we rebel against the Lord, God's going to judge us. You understand a holy God has to judge sin, and uh, that's just uh, who he is and what he does. But as I was reading through this, there's some things I want to share about some of these tribes that we're going to talk about a little bit here tonight uh, that I want to try to share uh, and be a help and a blessing to you uh, with. I know Deborah was uh, helping lead them, and we know what Deborah's name meant. That, that root word came from the word, that word Deborah, and it meant the word. And guess what? We ought to stand on the word. That ought to guide us every step of the way, right? That ought to be our, our life's uh, example is to go to the word of God. And I want to read a few things, though, starting in verse number 14 and following. I'm not going to ask you to stand again uh, for sake of time tonight. Uh, we have a lot to get done. And I want to be mindful of the time this evening. And so we're going to try to do uh, a teaching and a preaching type help for you tonight. And I want to try to help you uh, in certain areas this evening. Judges chapter number 5, starting in verse number 14. It says, Out of Ephraim was there a root of them against Amalek. After thee, Benjamin, among thy people, out of Machir, came down governors, and out of Zebulun they that handle the pen of the writer. And in the princes of Issachar were uh, with Deborah, even Issachar, and also Barak. And he sent on foot in the valley. For the divisions of Reuben, there was great thoughts of heart. Now I want you to see that what this says here. For the divisions of Reuben, there were great thoughts of heart. That phrase intrigued me, and we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. It says, verse 16, Why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleeding of the flocks? For the division of Reuben, there was great searching of heart. It said there was great searching of heart. Gilead abode beyond Jordan. And why did Dan remain in ships? Asher continued, continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Zebulun and Neptali were uh, a people that, uh, that jeoparded their lives unto death in high places of the field. I began to look at this, and now the nation of Israel is being called to battle. To go fight against an enemy. And the problem that we have here is there's some tribes that I want to discuss to you that had really, they were emotionless tribes. They were tribes that uh, it, the, their heart began to get stirred and different things, but they didn't go do what they were supposed to do. And we're going to talk about that. So if I were to enti- uh, give a title for the message tonight, I would talk about the emotionless Christian. The emotionless Christian. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the love that you have for us. Thank you for the time we have to be here tonight. Lord, I stand where the arm of the flesh will fail me. I need your help and I need your touch this evening. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you as we try to teach down through this and look at some of these things, Lord, that you'll uh, try our hearts. Lord, see if there be any wicked way in us. And uh, Lord, help us to uh, do the things that please you and give honor and glory to you. And Lord, may we not back down from the fight ahead. Satan's uh, on the war path. And Lord, may we stand up and be strong soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we'll give you the praise, the honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, the emotionless Christian and these emotionless tribes, as we look at this section of Scripture, as we start in verse number 14, we find some tribes who respond differently to the call of battle. Uh, Some of them, they all have the same call to go and fight the battle, but there's some differences in their responses. And much of these responses are typical responses that we find in the Lord's work. When God calls us to battle, they're very similar responses that happen in our lives that happen in these people's lives. I want you to look first at the tribe of Reuben. And if we look at there in verse uh, number 15 is where we find it. It says, And the princes of Issachar were there with Deborah, even Issachar, also Barak. He was sent on foot into the valleys. Look, it says, for the divisions of Reuben, there were great thoughts of the heart. It said, why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleeding of the flock? For the division of Reuben, there was great searching of heart. Now, Reuben had great thoughts of heart, it said. They were emotionally stirred in their heart. They knew there was a call to go and fight a battle. There was a stirring inside of them, but their stirring did not lead into action. They weren't moved to action based on the stirring inside of their heart. It said there in verse 15 that there was great thought of heart. It said in verse 16, he said, Why stand uh, ye, why abodest ye among the sheepfolds to hear the bleeding of the flock? For the division of Reuben there were great searching of heart. And as I read those two verses this week and I was going down through this, the Lord kind of smote my heart about the opportunity that we have oftentimes to serve the Lord and to stand strong in the things of God and how when the word of God's brought forth, how our heart gets stirred for the things of God. But oftentimes that stirring of heart gets squelched by our lack of motivation to move to that stirring that happens inside of us. And as I was reading about Reuben here, there's a call to battle. They should go out and fight it. Their heart said, hey, we should go do this, but their feet wouldn't act. You know, there's many times we sit in church and our heart says, hey, we should be a soul winner, but we don't go do it. We sit in church and we think our heart says, hey, we ought to be helping those that are in need, and we don't do it. And our heart says, oh, we ought to be jumping and getting involved in this or getting involved in that for the work of the Lord. But our feet don't follow. Why? Because we don't allow that stirring of heart to put legs to our actions. See, what the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You understand a vision is more than having a burden to do something. A vision is taking the burden and the stirring inside of you and applying it in your life and making things happen because of it. A vision is making progress forward in the things that you're going for doing. You know, you understand it's one thing to have a burden for lost souls. It's another thing to have a vision to reach lost souls. A burden for lost souls means I don't want to see people go to hell. But a vision says I'm going to go do something about that. See, Reuben had in their mind, there was some uh, this stirring inside of them, but they didn't allow that to motivate them to go forward see we have a lot of emotionless christians though that a lot of people come to church and they say preacher bless me if you can woe is me you don't understand what i go through here i am i'm here because i gotta be but you understand we're saved by the grace of god we've been called to a higher calling and that's to serve the lord to love the lord thy god with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind here the nation of israel is being called to fight against a battle to go out to war and to fight for the the cause of the Lord and to to show them the power of God. But Reuben didn't let it, they were stirred in their heart. 
Man, they were thinking in their heart, man, I, I should go do this. I should go forward. But they didn't do it. They didn't step forward. You ever been in a service before where the Holy Spirit of God pricks your heart about something? And man, it seems like that whole service is just like, wow, boom, 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 boom. He's stirring at your heart. Invitation time comes and you grab a hold of that pew and do the white knuckle syndrome, I call it. You squeeze and you think, if I can just get through that last verse, I'll be all right. See, the fact of the matter is you're never going to win a battle by standing in the pew. You're never going to win a battle till you step out by faith. You're never going to win a battle till you allow that Holy Spirit stirring in your heart to motivate you to go forward. Listen, they stayed home. They listened to the shepherds. Look what it says here in verse 16. It says, why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleeding of the flocks? They wanted to listen just to the sheep go, meh, rather than going out to battle. You know, I don't know about you, but that's one of the most annoying sounds in the world to me. It, it is. I mean, I can handle cows mooing. I can handle, but hearing sheep going, meh, like that just drives me nuts. And I don't, I don't understand why, but it does. I couldn't imagine wanting to sit there and hear that. But they're saying, you know what? I don't want to really go to battle. I just want to hear all this, the whole time. Thinking, how annoying would that be? The fact of the matter is, God gave them a job to do. And they were satisfied with something less than what God wanted for them. Oh, their hearts were stirred. They knew it was right, but they didn't do it. They didn't go forward. They weren't willing to leave the sheepfolds to go to the battlefield. Listen, let us not get stuck in our sheepfolds. Let us not get stuck in our pew. Let get stuck in our, our little box and be willing not to step out of our comfort zone. Some of us need to get out of our comfort zone sometimes. Why? Because when we step out of our comfort zone, we experience new things for Christ. There's things God wants for us to do, but it takes us stepping out of our comfort zone to see things happening. Sometimes we ask God, why is this transition happening? Or why is this going forward? Or why is this happening? And God's opening a door for people to step out and say, hey, Lord, here am I. Use me. But we have too many people that are willing just to be satisfied in the sheepfolds rather than stepping out into battle. You know, there's people in this world that I can't reach that God could use you to reach. That's just the fact of the matter is. And I know it's hard to believe, Brother Eddie, but not everybody likes my personality. I know that's difficult to understand, but I just, sometimes they just don't get along well with me. And I get shocked about that, I really do, but I just have a problem. I speak truth way too much, and it rubs people wrong. But the fact of the matter is this, we're comfortable in our little sheepfold. In our little box. If this little rug up here was our box, they say, God, I'll do everything to this point. But God, if you want me to go out here, I'm just, now I'm comfortable right in here. See, when you're in your comfort zone, you're not relying on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're in your comfort zone, you're relying on your own abilities and your own strength. See, Reuben wanted to be in their little sheepfold where they were comfortable. They didn't want to have to go out into battle. See, battle means that you're not going to a picnic. You're going to fight a war. 
That means you've got to be armed with the armor of the Lord Jesus. You've got to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Listen, we have a world that's dying and going to hell and God's calling His people to go forward and to preach the gospel to the lost because it's the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's God who changes people's lives and we get so wrapped up in our little comfort zone, our little sheepfold that we're not willing to step out even though our hearts are stirred even though the Holy Spirit says hey I'm standing at the door and knocking if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come into him and sup with him and he with me and we sit there and we lock the deadbolt because we say man if we let the Holy Spirit in what happens if I have to go out here you mean brother Nick I might have to go deal with loud bus kids I don't do bus kids I don't do trash walking around the church. I don't do those kind of things. Listen, sometimes if you just step out of your comfort zone, you find a new, uh, you reach new heights for the Lord. He'll open your heart to more things if you just get out of your little sheepfold. We need to get out on the battlefield. Satan is not slowing down at all. I don't know if you've understood this or not, but Satan's been on the attack on Faith Baptist Church. He's been on the attack. And you know what? We don't, have, we don't need to just cower down and back up. We need to step forward to the fight. We need to go forward. You have friends that need Christ. We have people that need to be saved. We need to witness to them, live them to the Lord. But don't let your sheepfold stop you from, oh, you're being stirred, but you're not willing to surrender. Oh, you're being served. Oh, man, that's great words, but we're just not going to let it bring us to surrender. Oh, we hear the word of the Lord. It's pricking our heart. And we, 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 have this, we want the sentiments. We want the, the sentimental type words. Oh, I want to feel comfortable here, but we don't want complete surrender. Our emotions are stirred, but we're not willing to get engaged. You know, we have that emotional, oh, well, here's what I want to do, but we're not willing to engage that. We have a concern about things, but we're not willing to commit to them. That's what Reuben was doing. Oh, there was a battle that being called for that said they were stirring in their hearts. But he said this, why abodest thou among the sheepfolds? Why are you just sitting there in the sheepfolds, listening to the bleeding of the flocks, listening to these, these sheep go, man, all day long when you're supposed to be on the battlefield fighting? You're supposed to be going out to war. You're supposed to be doing something. Listen, we ought not to be content just sitting in a pew doing nothing for God. You say, well, I'm here, preacher. That's enough, isn't it? No, you understand it's a privilege to, to come to church. God commands us to do it. It's a privilege to be here and be encouraged by our brothers and sisters in Christ. But you understand something. When you step out those doors, you enter a battlefield bigger than you. And it's one that you can only accomplish with the Lord's help. It's a fight that you can only win through the Lord. Your service for Christ will be paralyzed by your unwillingness to act and get on the battlefield for God. We have a lot of paralysis in our churches today. People that are just, they're stirred, but they're not willing to move. They're not willing to go forward. And it's paralyzed them, and they won't get out on the battlefield for God. Don't let stress in your life and strongholds in your life and the sheepfolds of your life stir you to go forward when the Holy Spirit pricks at that, but not move you to go forward. So you got to move to go forward. It's like one of those cars that are the engine's running, but it's not in gear. 
man, they're sitting at the green light to go. And the engine's running, man, and they've got the pedal to the floor, and they're being stirred to go forward, but they haven't engaged it to go forward. See, there's a lot of us sitting there, and we're wanting to sound like we're running good. But we haven't engaged in the fight. We haven't stepped forward to go forward and do it. Listen, if God wants you to do something, do it. If God calls you to do something, do it. Listen, I'm just going to shoot a rabbit as it runs by, but there's times that we've pleaded for people to join the choir. We pleaded for people to do special music. We plead for people to help clean the church. We plead for people to get involved in bus ministry. We plead for people to get involved in this and get involved in this. And for the most part, a lot of people are willing. But there's some that have ability, that are able to do it, that just won't. They're stirred in their heart, but they're like Reuben. They'd rather just sit back in their little sheepfold and say, God, I don't go there. I won't do that. Better be careful. Listen, God's given you a lot of abilities, a lot of talents. There's people that have talents in this room that are beyond any talents I would ever have. But if you don't use those talents, you better be careful. God might take them and give them to somebody else. You say, oh, that won't happen. I've seen it happen to people. You have a talent that you're not willing to use for the Lord. He might say, fine, I'm going to give it to somebody willing to do it for the Lord. Don't just be content sitting there in your sheepfold. So Reuben was one that was just willing to sit in their little sheepfold, listening to the sheep, uh, and not go forward to battle. And then look what it says. Gilead abode beyond Jordan. Gilead abode beyond Jordan, verse 17. Gilead, it said, abode or lived beyond Jordan. Gilead was the name of for, uh, was the name for two tribes east of the Jordan River. They were the tribes of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh. Their tribes were out of the, the fellowship with other tribes, and their lack of fellowship made them unconcerned about the matters of the Lord. They were on the outside. They weren't really concerned about what was going on in here. Oh, hey, I'm a member of the church, but I don't go. You ever seen those people? I've been a member of 16 different churches, but I don't attend any of them. You know, I'm on the outside looking in. I just want to be a member of something. My name's on the roll, but I'm not active in it. You know, somebody, uh, I, there was one time I was down in North Carolina, and I was pastoring the church there. Brother Eddie, I've been there for a year and a half. This lady walks up to me, and she shook my hand. She said, you know, I used to play the organ in this church. I'm a member of this church. I'd like to play the organ for you. I said, what's your name? <laughs> I have no idea who you are. You said you're a member of our church. I've not seen you in a year and a half. Where have you been? Are you sick? What's going on? You see, there's a lot of people that unless they have the spotlight, unless everybody notices them, they don't want to get involved. They're on the outside. They were... Uh, part of the fellowship but they were out of active fellowship they were on the outside oh they're part of the the family they say but you know I'm a, I'm a Christian but I don't believe and I have to go to church I can worship God at home guess what you can you can worship God at home you can worship God in your car you can worship God anywhere that you are but you cannot obey God and not come to church and guess what if you're not obeying God you're not properly worshiping God Truth hurts, doesn't it? It does. See, I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd, though. You guys are here faithful, okay? Praise the Lord for that. But the fact is, their lack of fellowship made them unconcerned about the matters of the Lord. When people aren't actively involved in the fellowship of the church, they're not concerned about the things 
of the church. That's why it's very important for us to be active in church. Why? So we can be, uh, have our hearts stirred about the things that are going on. When Christians get out of church and out of fellowship with God and out of fellowship with His people, it, it hinders their service for Christ. You say, how is that? Because they're not concerned about it. What's, what, what's it matter to them? They're not there. Why should I care? It doesn't affect me. I'm not there. But those are the same kind of people that when problems arise, they're like, what's going on at that church? I can't believe that stuff would happen. You know what? They're not engaged in it. They're not actively involved, and it hinders their service for Christ. When God's people get out of fellowship with one another, you lose your enthusiasm. You lose your excitement. You lose your emotion. You lose your eagerness to serve God. You, le- you lose that earnestness about your, your heart and your mind. You, you, you lose the exhilaration of serving God. You understand, it is exhilarating serving God. Guess what? It's frustrating too. But it's exhilarating. There's something new all the time happening. You know why? Because there's people. And we deal with it. It's exhilarating. Sometimes you think, Lord, we're going for a ride. I have no idea where this goes. I don't know if the end of this roller coaster has an end or if it continues on. I don't know, but we're in for a ride, aren't we? It's exhilarating. But we lose that exhilaration when we disengage. When we go out here. You know what? It's exhilarating to me when I see visitors come to church. When I hear about people being saved. Man, hey, preacher, I gave somebody a gospel track, and man, they, they were eager to hear about the things of God. I was speaking to somebody yesterday, and they said, preacher, I, I talked to my nephew and asked him to come, and uh, they said they said they're going to be at church tomorrow. Man, that's exciting. That's exhilarating. Guess what you miss out on when you don't come to church? You miss out on all those things, seeing all that kind of stuff happen. Listen, all of this stuff in God's work, it's exciting. Seeing these young kids come on that bus is exciting to me. Seeing them come on Wednesday night to Master's Club is exciting to me. Watching these young people stand up here and sing is exciting to me. Seeing Miss April get up and sing a special is exciting to me. Watching people get up and serve the Lord. And I listen, if I didn't call your name, it's okay. We understand. It's exciting seeing you serve God. Whether you're in the nursery, you say, that's not very exciting, preacher. Trust me, it's not exciting. It keeps you young, ladies, okay? You get to chase those little kids around, give you exercise, praise the Lord. But you know what? It's exciting. It's exhilarating. The more people we have, guess what? The more exciting it's going to get. But serving the Lord's exciting. When you disengage, oh, oh, I'm part of it, but I don't want to be part of it. I want to have my name on the roll, but don't ask me to get involved. We have a problem. That's where Gad was. They were on the outside looking in. Oh, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't affect me. It's a tragedy when God's people keep more in touch with their banker, their boss, their beauticians, their ball teams, and their bill collectors than they do the brethren in Christ. It's sad that you know your stockholder's name better than your Savior's name. That you can go tell me everything about this sports player, but you can't tell me anything about Jesus. That's somebody who's on the outside looking in. Oh, they want to see God do some great things in the church, but don't ask me to do it. 
I'm on the outside. I don't want it to affect me. Either way, whether the church grows or the church folds, it don't bother me at all because I'm on the outside. I'm part of the family, but I, you know what? It, it saddens me that there's people tonight that have skipped church to watch football. You say, oh, preacher, that don't happen. Oh, it happens. It happens. They skip church to watch football, to watch people run around a field, people they're never going to meet in their life. People are never going to have an impact in their life whatsoever. And they care more about that than the one who saved them by grace. And that's where the nation of Israel is. They're on the outside. They care more about their own agendas than the God who led them to where they are. And one to bless them. Let me encourage you to stay close to the Lord and to the people in your church. Be faithful in church. Find out what's going on in the lives of others, but don't let it get to the point of gossip as we talked this morning. Listen, encourage the brethren. Hey, we're in a battlefield. That means we're going to have wounds. We're going to have wounds. And let me explain something to you. There's not a person in this room that's better than the person sitting next to them. You understand that? There's not a person standing on this platform that's better than anybody else. We're all sinners. Deserving of hell. If you're in here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ your Savior, there's a difference between me and you. As I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, I'm no longer on my way to hell. You are. But we still have a sin nature. We both have that. And you understand, I am one decision and you are one decision away from ruining your life. That's why it's so important to stay engaged in the things of God. Because Satan's on the warpath. Let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. I'm for holy living. I'm for living righteously and godly in this present world. I believe we ought to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. I believe we ought to act like a Christian, walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian, be a Christian. I think we ought to. But I don't think we should be to the point where we think, hey, I've arrived. You want to be like me. No, we want you to be like God. We want you to be like God. Stay close to the Lord. Be faithful in church. Reach out. Stop hiding in your little shell. People don't care how much, they, how much you know until they know how much you care. When people see that you care, then they care about what you know. You can tell them, well, guess what? I know all of this. What's that matter? But if you show them that you care, they care about what you think fact of the matter is we need a world that we have a world out there that needs God's people to care we got to care there's wayward church members that need us to care and you know what us stepping on them being judged during execution or putting our foot on their throat isn't going to bring them back to God but you know what is letting your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven living a godly example Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. What you do speaks louder than what you say. But the tribe of Gilead, they were good at being on the outside. Look at verse 17 also again. It said, Gilead abode beyond Jordan. And why did Dan remain in ships? The tribe of Dan, Dan remained in ships. The Joppa seaport 
was in the tribe of Dan. They preferred their commerce and fisheries to fighting. They wanted to be there in the ships and making money on selling fish and being fishermen and bringing in their fish and their livelihood than to going out and being fishers of men, fighting for the freedom of the bondage of sin. They never developed in their area of spiritual growth. They ran from problems and ran from God. They ran from their problems uh, and or they... They ran from everything, from God, from their problems. From they were just, I'm, I'd rather be in the ship just fishing. I'd just rather be over here doing this. Listen, when we have a problem, we ought not to run from God. We ought to run to God. When we get sick, we're quick to go to the doctor. Some of us. I do know two adults in my life that are stubborn. I won't call any names. However, for the most part, when we get sick, we run to the physician. And we want them to diagnose what's going on in our life. Why am I sick? What's wrong with me? Can you give me something to help me along the way? But when we are spiritually sick, we run from the great physician who has exactly what we need to fix what's wrong with us. And we think we're going to get it from the world. We're going to get these temporary pleasures that are going to help us for a temporary time, and then we're going to be right back in the same boat we were. They were content with just fishing. Dan was the first tribe to go into apostasy, and you'll see that in Judges chapter number 18 when we get there. Christians who do not grow spiritually will not engage in the Lord's service or battles. Let me ask you this. Are you growing up or drying up? Are you growing up for God or are you drying up for God? And we could give an invitation right there. Probably every one of us could hit the altar and say there's areas in my life I've dried up in. That I've dried up in. As I was going through this, there were some things in my life that the Lord really had to help me out with. Because sometimes when you get in ministry, just to be transparent with you tonight, you go through the motions. You do what you have to do just to get through it. And you don't do it because of the need for you to do it. You do it because it's what you have to do. Sometimes there's dry seasons in your life, but keep doing what you're supposed to do so the Lord will send the rain again. But let me tell you this, a lot of us, the rain's there. We're just not willing to take it. We're trying to stay in our little shelter because we don't want to have to go to that next. We're afraid of what's in store. If we step out for God. If we get out of our boat. What's on the other side? What's God got in store for me if I step out? Every missionary comes through here. I think about that. I think about these young. I call them young kids now. For the most part. I remember when I first got in the ministry. Brother Ron. It was I, These missionaries would come. And they'd be my age. Early 20s. You know, I'm like man that's exciting. They're going to the mission field. They're going to Africa. They're going to serve God with all their life. Now I'm here at 40 years old, and these 22-year-olds come and say they're going to Africa, and I think, your parents are letting you go out of the country? You're just a kid. 
what's going on with that? It makes me feel real old, you know, those kind of things. But I look at them, I'm thinking, there's no way. But you know what? They're getting ready to step out of the boat into an area that's not what their comfort zone's all about. And we'll look at them and say, man, that's wonderful. And our heart's stirred, but we're going to stay in our little sheepfold. Man, that's great that that person wants to get out there and do that. But Lord, I'm not going to get out of the boat. Because I'm just content right here making my commerce and doing my trade and doing the things that I like to do. I wonder how many more people could be impacted if God's people just get out of the boat. Just do what God wants them to do. Are you growing up or drying up? The key to your growth will be your relationship with the Lord and with his word. I want you to look at something real quick, which you don't have to turn there. First Peter 2, 2, you know it. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, as you crave that word, you grow spiritually. Newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may what? Grow thereby. The key to spiritual growth is growing in God's word. To know him and to make him known. You know what's going to take? Getting out of the boat. Stepping out of your sheepfold. Oh, your heart's stirred. I ought to be reading my Bible, but I've got to get up 30 minutes earlier if I do that. Well, you don't understand what so-and-so did to me. I shouldn't forgive them because of that, really. If you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. That's what the Bible says. Forgiven, it shall be forgiven. A lot of us hold grudges. Not willing to forgive and move on with life. Listen, am I saying that we ought not to Take a stand for righteousness. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is when you live for a cause bigger than yourself, when you live following after God, God has a way of working things out the way we never thought they could work out when we begin to follow him. Look also at verse number 17. It says, Gilead abode beyond Jordan, and why did Dan remain in ships? Asher continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Asher continued on the seashore, it said, and abode in the breaches of the creeks and the bays and the mouths of the river. They were consumed with the royal dainties of life, just sitting on the edge of it while Reuben was preoccupied with the wilderness life. And uh, they both were focused on works, ships, docks, tradings, all of those things. That's what they were focused on and doing. And Dan was focused on uh, uh, on doing the, the fishing and all of these things, they all had this idea of what they were doing in their program and what they wanted to do, but they had no vision for God's work or sense of importance in God's program. They didn't see the need of getting involved in God's work. Well, there's a battle to be fought, but we're going to let some of the other tribes go out and do that. You know what? Faith Baptist Church, there's a battle to be fought. Maybe we ought to just let the other churches in town do it. Maybe we ought to just let the other ones that are those sold-out fanatics for God. Maybe we ought to let them fight the battle. Listen, God didn't just call them to fight the battle. He called all of us to fight the battle. That means, yes, you. It's your job to get involved in the things of God. They didn't understand the importance of God's program When we lose our vision and fail to see how we fit into God's plan, our service for Christ will falter. When we lose our vision, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. 
I think I've told this illustration in church, but it really fits. I read a story of an evangelist who went to a town out near Wyoming or Montana, came to this log church, and what a beautiful church building it was. He came in there to preach a sermon, and beyond the baptistry up above had these wooden letters that said, where there is no vision, the people perish. And man, the church was going good for God. They had a great revival meeting. Man, people were being saved. Lives were being changed. Two years later, that missionary or that evangelist comes back through town, Brother Nick, and he comes by that church, and it's all boarded up. Nobody in the parking lot. Grass is growing up all over the place. He's thinking, my soul, did they outgrow the building? What happened? He goes around and he begins to look at all the windows that are boarded up and he finds one that had fallen off. The window was busted out. He climbs through that window and he begins to walk through this church looking around. And he comes in that auditorium, that beautiful auditorium, and he looks around and he looks above the baptistry and one of the letters had fallen off. That W had fallen off that first letter. And it read this, here there is no vision, the people perish. Listen, I don't want that to be our testimony. That here there is no vision, the people perish. See, because where there is no vision, the people perish. But a vision is more than just, oh, I hope it happens. Man, it's just stirring in my heart to make something go forward. A vision is actually stepping forward by faith. And following God's leading and doing what God tells you to do. See, the battle wasn't able to be fought the way it was supposed to be fought because you had some sitting on the sidelines not getting involved in the things of God. Do you realize that God wants to use you? Can you imagine a holy God who knows who we are wants to use us, Brother Scott? That's humbling. That's sobering to think that God who knows everything about you, the times that you've turned your back on Him, the times that you've disobeyed Him, the times that you've done things nobody else knew about but Him, He still desires to use you just as you are coming to Him. You say, what do you mean, just as I am? You have to come to him as you are because he can't help you be what he wants you to be if you're not willing to admit who you are. you got to come to him that way. That means all the sin, all the iniquity, all the things in our hearts, we have to give them to God so he can change us, so he can help us. God wants to use you. Let me encourage you as we close tonight to get some spiritual goals in your life. Set some spiritual goals. You know, there's some people that set financial goals in their life. And they work hard to achieve them. And that's not a bad thing that you set some financial goals in your life. But how about we start setting some spiritual goals in our life? How about reading my Bible every day? Without fail. But that interferes with my life. How about get off Facebook? Because I promise you, you find time for that. How about let's turn the television off for 30 minutes and read the Bible? You say, preacher, you're just meddling now. No, this is where we're at. We, we're too busy for Jesus. Let's just make some spiritual goals. I'm going to read my Bible every day. You know what, I'm not against somebody reading through the Bible in a year. I'm not against that at all. But you know what, I'd rather you study God's Word 
every day than just say, I read it. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's times that I begin to study things, and I'm in the same chapter for weeks. Because God begins to show you things. And man, you start comparing Scripture with Scripture, and God takes you on a journey that's exhilarating. It's just the way it is. It's God's Word. It's a living book. You've got a purpose to get into it every day. I'm going to stand here and confess to you that there's been times I've not read my Bible through in a year. But I've read my Bible every day that year. See, the fact of the matter is this. Study God's Word. Plan some goals in your life. God, I'm not going to eat physically till I eat spiritually. Maybe you ought to set some goals that way. God, I won't allow my body to take physical food till I get my spiritual food. And guess what? You look at me, you know I don't miss the physical food. And I could look around and say some of us don't either. And the fact of the matter is, we just need to set some goals. Bible reading. Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. God, I'm not going to go to bed till I talk to you. God, when I get up, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to start my day off with you, God, and I'm going to end my day with you. Maybe I ought to set some goals. What about witnessing? God, I've not been good at it, but I'm going to witness to at least one person this week. Listen, start small. You say, preacher, you should be telling them to witness somebody every day. I want you to, but set some goals. Start off, hey, God, I promise you, I'm going to witness to at least, I'm not just talking about giving them a track. I'm going to witness to somebody. At least one person this week. And then begin to increase those goals as you get more confidence in the things of God. Set some goals in your giving. God, I'm going to give. I'm going to, by faith, give to missions. God, I'm going to give towards this need. Or God, I'm going to give towards that need. God, I'm going to trust you with my monetary possessions. And when you tell me to do something, when that stirring inside of me says, I need to do this, God, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to give it. And I'm going to do it. You understand God is waiting for you. God's got blessings beyond measure to give to you. You just got to be willing to step out of the boat. Be willing to get in the fight. Be willing to get on the battlefield. And fight for the Lord. You know, the greatest time I've ever had in my life is serving God. I'll also say some of the most frustrating trying times in my life have been serving God. But in those frustrating and trying times, Brother Nick, there's been a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's been somebody that promised me, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's been there every step of the way willing to guide me, willing to catch me when I cry out to him because I made some bad decisions myself and I tried to look at the storm around me rather than focusing on him and I began to sink. And when I cry out, Lord, save me, he reaches out and he picks me back up and he says, here, I'm here with you every step of the way. Listen, let me encourage you. These emotionless type people, oh, yeah, there was a stirring, but they really had no emotion for God. Their emotions were temporal, not spiritual. So I guess the question of the night is this. Are you dried up or are you growing up? Which one is it? Are you growing in Christ or are you dying?
You're one of the two. You're either growing daily or you're drying up for God. With our heads bowed and eyes closed,